Hello, everybody. This is your very special number one guest host, Daniel Williams, here at the top, just to give you a bit of background on what you're about to hear. We did a live recording of our first ever Calamity Cast variety show, and today for you, we're going to play excerpts from that night. We've got a live reading of A Beginner's Guide to Interplanetary Destruction. Then we have comedian Jeremy Helwig. And finally, we're going to end the show with a few songs from our good pal Nate Larson and True Friends. We'll be back in two weeks with part two of our Calamity Cast variety show segments, which will include Love and Lust, comedian Amy Milton, and more tunes from True Friends. See you then. Space America. I'm Ian. And I'm Liz. Normally, we are your hosts for local Famous to Us podcast, Good Morning Space America. <laughs> but tonight, we are your hosts for the very first live Calamity Cast Variety Show. Woo! Woo! Uh, for those of you who don't know what we are, Calamity Cast is a podcast network that is local to St. Louis that began in 2014. Our goals are to showcase local podcast creators while expanding listenership, to tell interesting original content, and to help improve the podcasting community in our area. Tonight, we're showcasing two of our audio dramas, um, in addition to other local talents. So we have a couple of stand-up comedians, and we also have some live music for you. It's going to be great. So uh, we are going to start, actually, with the very first audio drama that started Calamity Cast, A Beginner's Guide to Interplanetary Destruction. A Beginner's Guide to Interplanetary Destruction is a sci-fi action-adventure comedy about a group of friends who, due to forces beyond their control, end up gallivanting through space and time in an effort to save the multiverse as we know it from certain death and destruction. You know, like all great sci-fi comedy action adventures do. Uh, tonight's performance is an excerpt from season one, episode seven, titled Loose Booty. Since the dawn of time, there have been stories of great heroes and their victories. This is no such story. Lost in time and space, a group of friends calling themselves the Harbingers of Calamity find themselves stranded on a desolate wasteland following the lead of a mysterious and slightly incompetent blue spaceman named Waka John. My friends call me John! Like I said, Waka John. As the Harbingers struggle to come to terms with their new surroundings, a large worm approaches in the distance. man, Rubenesque, one might say, with a strong, snidely, whiplash mustache. It's a thing. Look it up, kids. He wears ill-fitting French naval garb, and his sand-speckled face is split by a filthy gap-toothed grin. His name is... Baron Von Wasteland, you old butte pirate. Waka John, you sliming double-crossed swine. You've got many guts coming here after stunt-pulled at Nexus Prime. 
Come here, old rebel rouser. No, we are. <laughs> no, but serious. Your mom have many smuggling routes blockaded. Much planets burned in search for you, even bounty on your head. But enough of that. What you need? I have cell phone, call to past. Tell young you make investment, rich in future. Sorry, Baron. We don't have time for that. <laughs> time. It's a good joke. <laughs> That's a great joke of laughing hilarity. Who the fuck is this jokester? Well, he's Baron von Wasteland. And his traveling menagerie atois. Baron, we need weapons and gear. I'm calling in that favor you owe me. Da, da, I remember. I check third car, find everything you need. Back in Jiffy. As the Baron checks his supplies, Will also checks the Baron's supplies. Hey, Baron! What's this orangey reddish stuff? Is this spice? Da, it's melange. Strong stuff. I give you good price, too. Okie dokie, here is everything. We have big hammer. Mine, mine! Oh, so beautiful. I'll call her mm, Georgia O'Keefe. Did you just name your hammer after an iconic feminist painter? Nah, you know it, brother. I have space whip, staff, laser bow, couple laser guns go pew pew, and a bag of sandwiches. You all look hungry, especially fatty. I heard tummy grumbling from over here. Hey. Yeah, I could eat. Baron, I'm a healer. Do you have anything I can use? Duh, of course. Here, take this med kit. Has med gel, med band-aids, plenty of med stuff. All good things. John, here's your custom-made warg. Right. I think that's everything. Baron, always a pleasure. Duh, take care. The scum of the universe looking for you. Eccentricities on that one. Okay, let me sink the ward to the Statham, and we can make the journey back to Yodel Slardel Bartelheim to retrieve El Amuleto. So, um, what's a warg? The World Almanac Reference Guide? Oh, you mean like the Hitchhiker's Guide? Sure, Dave, if that helps. It's a wrist-worn computer device that helps guide the jumps, gives us basic information and history about the worlds we are on. It's got a sweet scientific calculator, translator, and lets me control the microchips we implanted in your brain. Wait, Wait what? what? Ah, cool. You guys didn't think you just, like, had magic powers, right? Hot-wiring a car, raising the dead, masterful loot playing, whatever it was Dave did. These are all things they've totally done before. Trust me. Yeah, well, I mean, kinda, yeah. Ha ha, no. <laughs> Through the implants, I can give you skills and knowledge relevant to the worlds you are on. You mean like the Matrix? Jesus H, tap dancing Christ. Everything's a reference with this guy. Dave, your references are tiresome. I know you all have more questions, but we need to get moving before the super mutants turn our teeth into handcrafted jewelry. <laughs> oh, 
As the rest of the group uh, stands guard, Eugene retrieves a very important amulet by unconventional means. Jesus. Should we go in and see if she's okay? It, it shouldn't sound like that. David, what we're listening to is entirely natural. It's a beautiful expression of life, love, and lust. When Geraldo and I were lovers, my bedroom became quite the animalistic pleasure den. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. You promised never to bring up Geraldo again. So, John, if this amulet was so important, why didn't you just make it part of the mission the last time we were here? Note, they've totally been here before. In all the time I'd monitored your gaming habits, you'd never left a dungeon unlooted. I didn't think I had to convince a bunch of nerds to go on a fetch quest for a mysterious trinket. Fair enough. Rawr. Uh-oh. What the? Hey, y'all. When'd y'all get back into town? Hey, buddy. It's really kind of getting there. Who's your funny-looking blue friend? Uh-oh. Wait. Why are y'all in my house? Sheriff, uh, why don't you have a seat? Some, listen, sometimes a thing is not exactly the thing that it looks like it is. What are you going on about? Excelsior! Oh, take me to Flavortown! And sometimes it's worse. Uh, I did everything I could, you guys, but she doesn't have it. Oh, oh shit! Hello, Sheriff. What in the Sam hell? Oh, uh, here it is on the mantle. I totally saw it on the way in. High five, buddy. John, I think we should leave. Yes, it seems we've overstayed our welcome, especially Eugene. ridiculous romp through several dimensions, our group of lovable losers find themselves returned to Dave's very familiar subterranean dwelling. Yes, finally we're home. Oh, the welcoming smell of burrito farts. It's like a warm, foggy hug. How I've missed you. Thank goddess, I've been worried about my herbs. Joan rushes to the top of the stairs, but before she can open the bunker's door. Joan, my sweet, don't open that door. While we're safe in what appears to be Dave's bunker, we're not on Earth. Oh, fuck me sideways. We're still in space. Hmm, how can I explain this in a way you'll understand? Imagine reality is normally suspended in time. Jello, we're outside. Outside of what? Uh-huh. Can you please be less specific? Look, buddy, we've collected your artifact, and Georgia O'Keefe here is thirsty for the blood of mine enemies. Tell me what's next. Well, we have some of the required artifacts. What's next is we find the rest of the pieces to the device. That's not at all ominous. What the hell kind of whatever are we even building? Mm, it'll be easier to explain once we've found the remaining pieces. We only need two more to complete the device. Before we journey out again, let's get you ready for the next encounter! Hey, what are you doing? Oh, how can I explain this to a stupid baby? I have to, I don't know, dump knowledge in your brain hole? If you're conscious while it happens, it can be very disorienting. Wait, 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 you're gassing us again? We, we could have just gone to sleep? Yeah, whatever works. Warg, call Ted. 
John, please tell me you found the artifacts. Oh, I've got the first three. Only two remain, but they aren't making things easy, and my patience is running thin. Well, we can't lose any more of them. You know how important this is. I, the high seas await for the multiverse. For the multiverse and transmission. Click. <laughs> All right, Carl Narks, let's get moving. Here there be pirates. smell of moldy wood and sweat, the harbingers of calamity step into a dimly lit room. The floor lurches, causing them to sway like drunks on a bender. I think I'm going to be sick, guys. Ugh. You and me both, brother. Thankfully, I have these homemade mint and anise seed lozenges. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced anus. I'm pretty sure it's not. In case you haven't noticed, we're in the underbelly of a seafaring vessel, the HMS Twaddlecox, to be exact. <laughs> our next artifacts are nearby. According to the warg, our captain is a prolific treasure hunter, so it's a good bet he'll know their location. So why can't we just transport directly to where the artifact is? Ugh. The artifacts are two crystals so powerful that they interfere with the warg's triangulation ability. Uh, quick question. Why are we hiding below deck? These cowardly tactics are no way to take over a ship. Actually, Eugene, I think a more diplomatic approach might be our best first option. Violence isn't always the answer, you know. Ah, well, it is when the answer is, what gets Eugene hard? <laughs> oh, zing. Zing indeed. Uh, well, let's get to it. Uh, these crystals aren't going to find themselves. Eugene, if things go sour with the captain, we'll need you as a backup. Make yourself unseen, and I will signal you. Ooh, a secret attack plan. <laughs> now you're talking my language. And with that, the group makes their way to the poop deck, attempting to blend in with the crew and failing spectacularly. Hello, sailor! Yar, what do we have here? Stowaways? A taste of the cat for you, maybe. Take them to the captain. He'll know what to do. Uh, wow, that was, that was really easy. The pock-faced, scurvy-riddled sack of human leather. Hey, come on now. Words hurt. He leads our heroes to what is obviously the captain of this unfortunately named sea vessel. Captain, we found these scurvy landlubbers aboard, probably stowed away from the last time we made port. That crew, then. Go on, out with it. Hey, captain O'Doul. Ten years sober! Aye, that'd be me. But uh, how'd you know my name? Your reputation as a treasure hunter precedes you, Captain O'Doul. Ten years sober! Jesus, shot us. Captain, we're searching for two items of treasure and are willing to strike a deal for your help. A deal, is it? I don't have need to deal with a bunch of stowaways and greenhorns by the looks of ya. I think I'll let First Mate Barnabas take care of ya. Put him to work or put him to death makes no never mind to me. Wait. Please, Captain O'Doul. Ten years sober! Well, gents, we got no quarter for ye. Hey, Mad Jack! Got a group of landlubbers a captain wants dealt with! From across the deck comes a giant lumbering pirate, Mad Jack Heavy Hammer. Complete with horrible teeth and a necklace of human fingers, he drags a cannonball on a chain and has what appears to be a third leg. Maybe now's a good time to get Eugene? 
I ain't had me a good fight in a long time. Now, Eugene. Eugene, we could really use your help here. Soon I'll be picking my teeth with your bones and bedding that stringy winch. Hey, I resent that misogynistic nomenclature. <laughs> Eugene, now! Hey, you guys! Waiting until the very last minute, Eugene swings from above, a la a certain self Get down here, tiny man! Tiny? Uh, when I get down there, I'm gonna crush you. Come on! Uh, give me that net, come here. Ah! And with that, Eugene easily crushed Mad Jack's neck. Yikes. So crushed. That was entirely unexpected. Uh, I've seen little giants with thumbs bigger than this sea dog. You, you must be the captain. Well, I bested your champion. Now I demand to kill a whale. Captain, storm coming in. Out of the northeast. Came out of nowhere. All hands on deck and batten down the hatches. Steal her up, you landlubbers. Get below deck. Dark, ominous clouds swirl overhead as a violent storm engulfs the ship. The masts are blown away as waves crash against the hull and sweep much of the crew into the briny depths. Hold fast, lads! This storm won't claim all of us, or my name's that Captain O'Doul! Ten years sober! now! The ship plunges through the massive swells as the storm rages. Some might call it a perfect storm. A gigantic wave crests before the HMS Twaddlecocks and proves too much for the ship and crew alike. The boat capsizes, plunging everyone into Davy Jones' life. And so ends our tale of the Harbingers of Calamity, for now. If you've enjoyed this truncated tale of tomfoolery, subscribe to A Beginner's Guide to Interplanetary Destruction on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. And I'm Daniel. We've got a great new show in the Calamity Cast Network. It's called the Black Lodge Complaint Department. And every week, we're going to discuss everyone's favorite show, Twin Peaks. Boo! That sounds terrible, Adam. And I've never seen Twin Peaks. That's the point. Listen along as we go over the entire series from the perspective of a longtime fan. And a person that kind of hates David Lynch. For no good reason. It's going to be great. Yes, it is. So subscribe now to the Black Lodge Complaint Department on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and check us out at calamitycast.com. All right. Thank you very much. Next, we are going to have our first stand-up comment of the night. Um, he is part of the show Fatal Bus Accident and as well, sorry, please continue. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Helwig. I'll just pass this to you. Hooray, hello everybody. Oh man, I have so many microphones to choose from. Are they all on? No, they're not. Good, you guys are professionals. Fantastic. I'm used to comedy shows where if there's a second mic on the stage, you can also talk into it because we're a bunch of dumb assholes. Uh, so one thing about me is I don't tell my coworkers much about myself. They mainly just know me as that guy that went on The Price is Right that one time. And my friends mainly know me as that guy that lies to his coworkers. <laughs> so that's super fun. Uh, there's this group of people on the internet that I think are hilarious. Uh, they're men's rights activists 
and they call themselves Meninists. And my favorite thing about men's rights activists that call themselves Meninists is that that means they think the opposite of feminine is Meninin. <laughs> it's like, you know how to log into the internet? You don't know word stems? <laughs> it's, like, it's like people that say that they're a meatitarian. It's like, oh, you eat meatitables? Fuck you. That's not a... Th- <laughs> what? Uh, so I was hosting at a comedy club a little bit ago, and I got off stage, and I went in the bathroom, and a few minutes later, an audience member came in, and he tried to open the stall door, and he said, oops, didn't realize anyone was in there. By the way, good set tonight. And I was like, did he just look at me through the crack? (laughs) And so I said, uh, thanks, I guess. And he said, yeah, there were some winners and some losers. It's like, you just fucking told me that you tried to look at my dick. <laughs> Compliment me, like, for real. What are you doing? <laughs> so, of course, a few minutes later, I timed this poorly. Uh, I had to get back on stage. Uh, we were both washing our hands at the same time. And he turned to me and he goes, so you comedians, you guys like to, like, get fucked up and do hard drugs and shit? And I said, I don't. Are you trying to sell me drugs, buy drugs from me? Like, what is happening? Uh, And he said, no, it's just that back in my day, comics like Sam Kinison were all doing heroin and killing themselves. Why don't you guys do that anymore? (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean back in your day? You're my age. We probably read the same Wikipedia article about Sam Kinison that you did. And also, comics kill themselves all the time. What are you talking about? Uh, that's when I realized that this was the guy that sat in the front row and he vaped so much you felt like an NBA player being introduced. <laughs> and it was banana flavored. It was gross. <laughs> so every, they, they, all, they say that Batman is the world's greatest detective. And I think that's bullshit. I don't think he's that good. Because none of his villains are hard to detect. Okay, if you think about their superpowers. Okay, Two-Face. What is his power? He has a very memorable face. Okay, what's his other power? He makes all of his decisions by flipping a coin. Okay, come up with a villain called Regular Face Guy that thinks about things. Way harder to catch. That's most criminals. It's like, okay, what about the Riddler? What is his power? He feels compelled to leave additional evidence at the scene. That's literally his conceit. And he runs around in a bunch of question marks. What, are you going to accidentally arrest the guy with exclamation points? Like, fuck you, that's not that hard. I think the reason they thought Batman was such a great detective was because the rest of the police fucking sucked at being a detective. Because here's the thing. Uh, Batman was invented in, like, the 30s. And, like, Jim Crow was still a thing, right? And none of Batman's villains were anything but white. And so they're like, oh, a man named the Penguin robbed the bank. And they're like, it was a black teenager with a top hat and a monocle. And Batman's like, it's the dude with flippers and a fucking beak for a nose. The guy that calls himself the Penguin? And they're like, holy shit, he's the best detective of all of us. It was, it was that easy. Uh, so after I graduated from college, I went and I taught English at a university in China for a year. And one thing that happened was all my students wanted me to give them an English name, like John or Sally or whatever. 
Uh, but the problem is, whenever I lesson planned, I like to drink a few beers. So let's just say right now in China, there's a cute girl tells white people her name's Octopussy. <laughs> She's doing better than Finger Bang, though. He's having a hard time. <laughs> I also, uh, when I was in China, I learned, I almost got a fight with a Chinese guy, and I learned if you're going to try and intimidate somebody, just use your own language. Because at some point I said to him, how about you get the fuck out of my face? And he said, no, you fuck my face. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe that's just how he fights, I guess. <laughs> maybe that's a trap. Because <laughs> that's the most vulnerable position from which to fight. <laughs> Inside someone's mouth. It's like, where do I hit him without hitting me? Uh, the answer's the back of the throat. I don't know. I think people talk shit on millennials too much. Like, I think every generation didn't, doesn't like the younger generation because they're just crotchety old people. Uh, but, like, back before the greatest generation, before they, like, won World War II, I bet their parents weren't so, like, proud of them. They were just like, look at these lazy assholes. Fucking won't get a job. Standing around in bread lines all day. <laughs> it's a Great Depression reference. Uh, Sometimes audiences are smart enough to laugh at it without me telling them. Uh, it's not you guys. Sorry. Uh, but here's the thing. People talk shit on millennials, and it's, it never makes any sense. Like, people are like, this is the generation. They invented selfies. They're obsessed with their faces or something. Because uh, here's the thing. Like, selfie sticks. People were mad about that. But, like, I traveled by myself in another country for a while. And if you don't have a selfie stick while doing that, the only way to get a picture of you in that country is to hand a stranger your smartphone. And if that stranger runs away with your phone, that was a good financial decision. What, are you going to call the police? You don't have a phone or speak the language. It's like back in my day, we didn't need selfie sticks. Yeah, you had disposable cameras. If someone steals your disposable camera, they stole the right to pay to develop pictures of you. You might as well just kick a stranger in the nuts and then throw your own money in the trash. So that's what that is. The other complaint about our generation is that uh, everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets a participation trophy because they think that when the other team is scoring a lot of goals and you're not, you're like, we still got a shot. Like, we might win. Uh, no, kids know how soccer works, right? But here's the thing. If you've never gotten a participation trophy... Uh, what it is, I've, I got a couple. It's a uh, shiny piece of plastic you put on your shelf that is a passive-aggressive reminder you're not very good at basketball. <laughs> it's like, hey, Dad, you helped me build this Pinewood Derby car. How about we put this in the living room? We can both be sad. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, so one thing that I've always like wondered is why do we have two spellings for the word come? Like, there's C-O-M-E, but then there's C-U-M, which means somebody was in a situation where someone got confused, and they were communicating via writing. Like, how did that happen? Someone, like, someone's like, oh, you can, you can just come on my tits. And he's like, you want me to walk across your chest? But the whole time, they're, they're talking on typewriter. <laughs> like, I think that's... She's like, hey, I know there's synonyms, but if you say ejaculate, that will ruin the mood. <laughs> I'm just going to move on from that. That's, 
That's the whole thought. There's nothing else you can do with that. I've tried. Um, so I think the story about the tortoise and the hare, I think it's a great story to tell to kids. I think it's a great message. Uh, I don't think anybody knows what the message is because people say moral of the story is slow and steady won the race. No, that's the plot synopsis. <laughs> the point isn't run races slower. That's fucking stupid. But the real moral, and it's a good one, is you might not be the best at what you do, but you should still try, because sometimes the guy that is the best is also an alcoholic. <laughs> it's great. Like, that's how you make it in comedy. You just go until all the other hosts have DUIs, then you get to host for a while. <laughs> and then that happens with featuring, and then eventually, I don't know how headlining works, but probably that. <laughs> Oh, man. So when I was in second grade, I was a good kid. I followed all the rules. I did all my homework. And then one day, I raised my hand because I had to go to the bathroom, and my teacher uh, was grading papers or something and didn't notice me for like 45 minutes. And I waited because I followed the rules. And she was like, hey, what do you need? And I said, I got to go to the bathroom. She's like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. So I, went, I got a hall pass. I went across the hall. I opened the stall door, I unbuckled my belt, and I shit my pants. Uh, and that sounds bad, because you're like, oh, if I shit my pants at work, that'd be terrible. This is so much worse, okay? If you shit your pants as an adult, you have an escape plan. You don't know about it, but it's there. Not one step of that escape plan applies to a second grader. Oh, you're going to take off your underwear, throw them in the trash? I can't do that. My mom bought me those. I can't just have less underwear now. That's suspicious. Well, then you leave, you drive home, you throw your pants in the washer, you take a shower. Okay, uh, I didn't know how to drive or have a car or know where my house was relative to school. Even if I got home, I don't know how to use the washing machine where I'm going to leave a shit surprise for my mom to find. I didn't take showers. I took baths. What, am I just going to sit in shit water for 20 minutes? It's going to make it worse. <laughs> then you call your boss. Tell him you're working from home. What, am I going to dial up and be like, hey, tell Ms. Kvorak I'm going to teach myself cursive today. <laughs> no, you can't. Literally nothing. There's nothing you can do. So here's what I did. Uh, I wiped as best I could, but try not to use too much toilet paper because the environment... Uh, mistake. Uh, washed my hands, but I was in a hurry because I'm like, oh no, they've realized I've been gone for, no, I, it's been the regular amount of time for pooping. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Oh, just rinse your pants out in the sink. Oh, so I can smell like I shit myself and look like I peed myself? Terrible suggestion. And then I'm like, I'm just going to reintegrate back into society. <laughs> There's only two more hours until lunch and then the other half of the day. <laughs> I can do this. No one will notice. I'll just be real cool about it. So I go back. I sit down at my table. One one thousandth of a second later, a cute girl I had a crush on goes, Ugh, did somebody fart? It smells terrible. I'm like, oh, no, smell. I forgot about that. And I was like, I don't know. I don't smell it. It's, pro it's probably not a thing that really happened. Other girl, immediately after that, no, someone def it smells horrible. What happened? And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. 
And then I look down, and the worksheet I'm working on has brown fingerprints on it. <laughs> I messed up as much as you could mess up. Like, if you, like, this is below proficient in shitting your pants. <laughs> so here's what, here's what I had to do. Here's how you avoid being called shit pants kid for the rest of elementary school. Uh, and it's not move away. It's, uh, you go to the front of the room, you tell you t the teacher that you shit your pants so that you can go to the office and tell the principal that you shit your pants. <laughs> so you can call your mom and tell her that you shit your pants. <laughs> and then presumably she told my dad, but he never mentioned it to me. Because <laughs> what's he going to do? Be like, hey, son, try not to do that again. <laughs> yeah, I know, it was horrible. And then I went to school the next day, and my teacher pulled me aside, and she was like, hey, Next time, if you really have to go, you can just go. And I was like, you don't have to tell me this. If this happens to me a second time, send me back to first grade. I didn't learn something important, okay? This is not going to happen. I don't, uh, I don't know how much time I've done. Oh, hey, I'm near the end. Uh, so I was at a bar uh, a little bit ago, and I sat down. Uh, and there was a tiny piece of glass in the chair, and it went through my jeans, and it cut my butt. Don't worry. I survived. Uh, but I went back to the bathroom to make sure I was doing okay a few minutes later, and there's normally nobody in this bathroom. So I didn't even look up. I just immediately reached my hand to my pants, pulled it out, and went, oh, good. And then I looked up. There's like six guys waiting to use the urinal. <laughs> Just looking right at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> so you know how when you do something embarrassing, you kind of mutter an excuse to yourself, but loud enough that it can be heard? Like you push on a door for way too long, and you realize it says pull, and you're like, oh, this door gets stuck every time, right, guys? <laughs> I tried to do that, except what I said was, just checking to make sure my butt's not still bleeding. <laughs> And then I left immediately. <laughs> hey, my name's Jeremy. You guys have been great. Let's get your host back up here. This has been awesome. This is a great show. Hey there, listeners. Are you into alpha males, badass leading ladies, and happily ever afters? Then check out another great Calamity Cast podcast, Dick of the Week, where I chat with my other two co-hosts about everything we love and sometimes hate about both writing and reading romance novels. So grab a glass of wine, get comfortable, and let's get down and dirty about romance. Find it on CalamityCast.com or wherever you find your podcast. Thank you all so much for coming out and hanging out and supporting Calamity Cast. Um, we really appreciate it. Tonight has been a lot of fun. And with that, we're going to bring out our last act of the evening True Friends. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, guys. True Friends here. They moved some of the seats in case you guys feel funky like I do. It's a pretty fucking awesome show. I think I could say that it's the best variety show I've ever seen. Get down! Hey! 
enjoy everybody to get up after party. When I'm in the mood, I gotta trust somebody and get down. Or when I feel funky, I love rhythm. Woo! Gotta get up! It's a disco party, enjoy it, buddy! To get up now! But when I'm in the mood, Like that. 
so we can all just like hang out. Thanks, guys. Uh, the name of my band is called True Friends. And my name of given birth name is Nate. This song, well, you be the judge, I suppose. Disco Live! That's how we live and I gotta dance. Let's get together. Hey, let's get together, cause it's been too long. Disco live. Let's dance. Disco live. One, two, three, four. Disco live. That's how we live. Let's get together and dance. Disco live. That moves me. Let's get together. Breath away. 
has been too long. Sweet like chocolate. Hey! And I want to live. And that, that's another one. This has been a Calamity Cast production. For more content, visit calamitycast.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.